give us a gun and send us all off to war. From a badge so they could send us to the moon. general shit that you shouldn't be letting your kids intake. Be advised, viewer discretion is recommended. Proceed at your own risk. You've been warned.
if it's Thursday, it's I'm No Joe. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of appropriate ages, to the latest episode of the I'm No Joe podcast. No, in all seriousness, stuff. Uh, first and foremost, before we get into anything this evening, uh, obviously uh, nobody wanted this outcome, but it it was kind of the one that was most foreseeable. So uh want to give uh first and foremost our condolences and our thoughts go out to the uh family of everyone involved in the uh ocean quest submarine accident it's it's a shame uh, nobody should have to fucking deal with that shit and uh now they do so first and foremost thoughts go out to those folks involved uh that being said it is Thursday. It is the I'm No Joe podcast, a show where every armchair quarterback can feel like Eddie Bravo. We do have punchy, kicky talk to get into this evening. It might not be the most exciting card of the weekend, but hey, it's a hangover. So that's kind of what we've come to expect. This being the International Fight Week hangover, as it were. So we have got all sorts of international fuckery to talk about. But before we get into all that goodness, first and foremost, Gentlemen, how the hell are you doing this fine evening? Another lovely Wednesday is gone. We're into Thursday and one day closer to that weekend. So past that halfway mark and we got something to talk about. So I guess it, there, there's something. There you go. I love how golf team put that. That's exactly how I feel. Closer to the damn weekend. And we got some fights to talk about. I'm excited for the fucking weekend, not necessarily the fights, but we're going to have a good fucking time tonight. (laughs) I agree. I agree. So, as we like to do to kick things off around here, first and foremost, uh, we are not doing a recap show this season. The interesting things that pop off during the course of the weekend, we try and throw a quick little live reaction short up. I'm trying to keep uh, basically where I'm at right now so you can see the TV behind me. And I'll zoom in to show the replay, the thing that I'm talking about. So that way you guys understand the crazy thing that happens over the course of the weekend. Uh, but as is the case, several weekends out of most, I would say, uh, the news starting off this week ties us back to last weekend's fights. So first and foremost, to kick things off right up at the top, uh, one of the fights that we talked about being potentially interesting last weekend ended up being cursed as we thought it was. Uh, Felipe Bunez, I believe is how he pronounces his name, uh, has officially come out ahead of the race and owned right the fuck up. The reason that his fight got called off against Zala Zumagulov last weekend was because he tested positive for USADA. Uh, he did not disclose what exactly he pissed hot for, but he came back for a positive supplement or a positive sample test and is awaiting the second sample test and the proceedings to follow through and own right the fuck up to it. So um, luckily they managed to turn around and get Zuma Gulov back onto the card coming up this weekend. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about that fight later on, but um Nice to see uh, Felipe Bunez come out and get ahead of things, uh, much like the PFL big name that popped hot. Uh, Rob Wilkinson actually did the same thing this week as well. He came out, got ahead of it, said, you know, I've made some bad fucking decisions in my life and I'm a human being. So I'm going to try and get my shit together and get my shit straight and come back better than I was before and make sure that I do it the right way this time. So. You know, you can't commend a guy for using fucking steroids and getting hot, but you can commend a guy for admitting when he fucked up and owning up to it. So 
there is something to be said for that, I, I think. That being said, uh, if you somehow live under a social media rock, you might not have noticed, but last weekend, the PFL event was popping for more than just the fights inside the smart cage. Uh, John Jones was there cornering Maurice de Crochet, Boss Green, and Francis Ngannou being the newest signee of the PFL was, of course, there as well. And we got a face-to-face cage-side front shit-talking between Francis Ngannou and John Jones, actually nose-to-nose for the first time in at least two years, maybe ever, that I can recall. They've actually put them face-to-face like this. Um, Kind of interesting to see uh, John basically squeezed Francis's arm and talked about how big he was while Francis patted John's belly and talked about how big he was as well. And it was kind of an interesting little back and forth, nothing really to be made of it. But uh, the, the fallout, I guess you would say from that was the, the biggest part to me and the owner of the PFL Ray Cepho coming out afterwards and talking about, you know, Hey, clearly there's still, interest between these two fighters and i have absolutely zero opposition whatsoever to doing a cross promotional matchup having one of our lineal heavyweight you know top guys here in francis and fighting against john jones while he's still in the ufc and then everyone can win but you know that puts the ball in dana white's court and we know he likes to take the ball and go home when that situation arises so we know the uh, the invitation is clearly open from ray Sefo on that but then he turned that's around what, in that that's same what really sucks press. about that. We're going to miss out on that amazing fight just because Dana White is fucking crap. It's proud. Dana's fault. Yeah, it's talking Dana's about, fault. Talking about today, I saw the fucking news that the Zuckerberg and Elon Musk meme shit would do three times more than Mayweather and McGregor. He's serious about putting some fucking billionaires in an octagon that have no fighting oh, yeah. experience whatsoever. Oh, yeah, no, there's... Zuckerberg there's even more to MMA training. Yeah, there's even more to that fuckery story that I'm that I'm gonna get to here in just a minute as well. Yeah. Well, you know, oh, when he's... Dana White would rather slap his wife than put on good fights. Yeah, yeah, there's, there's that. There you go. It's... Power slap, baby. Fucking douchebaggery. Ugh, but no, uh, in the in the same press conference there where uh, Ray Seffel was talking about how absolutely you can clearly see there is still, you know, a little professional animosity, we'll call it, between John Jones and Francis Ngannou. And he says, yeah, we're fucking clearly open to make that cross-promotional fight still fucking happen. It's obviously still a thing they want. Lord knows the fucking fans are still in for it. So, you know, balls in Dana's court on that one. But... Then he turned around and addressed another big rumor that a lot of us have been hearing in the MMA atmosphere and confirmed things that a lot of us were suspicious of. Um, Bellator A is officially up for sale and B, PFL and Ray Sefo particularly and his funding group, I say with air quotes for those of you listening, uh, are 100% in the running to try and purchase Bellator and make a complete MMA organization merger to try and basically take over number two in the United States market for MMA broadcasting. 
that would absolutely give them a larger roster than the UFC. That would give them more combined resources at that point than the UFC. They just wouldn't quite have the same level of talent per se, but it would give them enough of a reach to where they would genuinely be able to run neck and neck with the UFC as long as they don't completely cheddar Bob themselves. So it's interesting to see there are a couple of other very big names, the Khan brothers specifically, who have billions with a capital fucking B to their name, are also very interested in purchasing Bellator to try and change it and make it a direct competitor with the UFC. And the Fertitas did that to the UFC. The Khan brothers could absolutely do that to Bellator if they'd snatch it out from Ray Steffo's hands and keep PFL from turning it into a merger. So it's interesting to see that there is absolutely a confirmation of Bellator being on the market and now several real world, large financial stake players willing to step up and express interest publicly in taking Bellator to the next level, whether it's as part of the PFL or on its own as a separate entity, it's getting to be very interesting times for an MMA fan right now. That's all I'm going to say. How it shakes loose. We still have to watch, but it's getting to be real interesting times for MMA fans. Uh, that being said, uh, kind of like Christian was talking about a minute ago, Mr. Dana, we don't make gimmick fights here. White himself just a few weeks ago, talking all kinds of shit about Francis Ngannou wanting to box Deontay Wilder and how that's just a gimmick fight that nobody does. And that's something that you'd never see here. Cause we don't make gimmick fights. We're the UFC. We do everything the right way with the best of the best, blah, blah, fucking blah. Yankee, yank, Spider-Man skeet, skeet. And here we are a couple of weeks later, Dana White is not only saying that he in all seriousness believes that Elon Musk versus Mark Zuckerberg in an octagon would do triple the pay-per-view numbers that Mayweather and McGregor did. But even further than that, we got confirmation from Tyson Fury's manager this week. They have officially received an offer for a mixed rules combat sports match between John Jones and Tyson Fury after he openly mocked Deontay Wilder and Francis Ngannou doing a boxing match and then an MMA match to make it a duality so both men had equal level playing field for one of the two matches, which, for anyone paying attention, makes the most goddamn sense. But now Dana White, in his infinite fucking wisdom, has decided that since Francis is gone. He wants to do all the things Francis wanted to do, but with John, who has never expressed any interest in any of this shit and isn't a fraction of the fucking boxer that Francis Ngannou is, which Francis Ngannou still isn't a goddamn boxer. He's an MMA fighter. So it's kind of an interesting roundabout world we found ourselves in. Uh, best case scenario for a mixed rules fighting thing with John and, and fucking Tyson would be, you know, all stand up, no kicks, no takedowns, you know, essentially four ounce gloves boxing match instead of a 20 ounce or a 16 ounce fucking glove match. It would essentially be Tyson putting on MMA gloves and John not allowed to kick or take down or elbow. And they could do it in an octagon. That's almost no different whatsoever, at least in principle than everything Francis pitched and Dana said was unrealistic and silly to ask. So 
tells you John is more of a company man than Francis. <laughs> That's what that right? is. Right? Yeah. John's willing to say, yes, sir, let's go for it when Dana says this is what we're doing. Whereas Francis well, actually showed that he had some testicular fortitude and an intact spinal column. You know, I've noticed something when it comes to Dana and his fuckery like this. If it's somebody who is a company man, and I'm going to air quote company man, because they're not necessarily, but they're willing to put on the big fights, the big shows, talk shit, sell pay-per-views, stay in the fucking news, good or bad. He kind of lets them do whatever the fuck they want, a la Conor McGregor in boxing. Fucking, it's that same kind of concept, so... Just saying. It is a little strange to see John Jones getting Dana White privilege. Yeah. <laughs> Not too often you would think that would happen, but all right, here, here we are. Right. For one of the guys who was public about the reason that they wanted to keep John out of Las Vegas because bad things happen and cocaine isn't cheap. Now all of a sudden is making John the face of the UFC again after at one point he said John would never even headline a card again. Yeah, he knew he was lying through his teeth when he fucking said that. Yeah, so the the hypocrisy of Dana White seems to know no fucking bounds, and we see leaps and fucking levels of it newly founding every week. Um, that'll bring me to an interesting one here. I, so I am genuinely not a hundred percent certain on this, and if you have concrete verifiable knowledge on this subject please drop it in the comments once this video is live don't do it in the live chat it won't do us any good wait till the show is done and youtube reloads it i will leave this up that everything will still be there i promise please come back and put it in the comments if you can find a verifiable concrete evidence on how this works since the james kraus situation unfolded to the best of my knowledge, no major organization MMA fighter for any of the big four promotions was supposed to either them or their immediate family members, including spouses and spouses, direct family members, from what I'm understanding, are allowed to legally make a bet on that fighter that means fighters can't bet on themselves their their sisters can't bet on brothers their wives can't bet on husbands fathers can't bet on daughters everything that goes along with that to the best of my understanding and then we get last weekend's bellator 297 card which to their credit bellator owned last weekend aside from the john jones francis and ganu standoff the the P, the PFL card was not that exciting unto itself, um, but Bellator fucking owned last weekend in terms of fights. And after they were over, we got a very interesting tweet that, at least for a short period of time last weekend, kind of broke the internet. Anthony Showtime Pettis put down a $50,000 bet on his brother Sergio, who was the underdog defending his belt last weekend, and then won and showed his bet slip of a payout of $122,500. That seems like a pretty bold and blatant I bet money on my brother 
And here's my bragging receipt. And absolutely nothing has been made of it since the conversation about his payout tweet went live. I don't know firsthand because I can't find a verifiable source in the actual verbiage that says who can and cannot because as I understand it, Anthony Showtime Pettis, A, has his own fight promotion on Fight Pass, and B, from what I understand, is still an ambassador under contract with the UFC, even though he's not an active fighter, which would then make him a UFC employee. And Dana himself went off on a big fucking tirade about no UFC employee all the way down to the goddamn janitor is allowed to bet on any relative's fights. I'm wondering if the verbiage for that only applies to the UFC because it's been a UFC problem. Well, that's what I'm saying. Anthony, to my understanding, at least on an ambassadorship level, is still contracted under the UFC as an employee. What I'm saying is no betting on UFC fights. His brother is a Bellator fighter, so I'm wondering if there's that delineation well, between the yeah, two. That's, that's why I'm openly inviting anyone who can find me anything that verifies what the actual verbiage of this is because at least at face value after this whole James Krause fiasco has blown up the betting world and we have directly seen it impact some of the betting lines on a lot of big fights lately and then you've got Showtime who is openly flaunting a $50,000 bet on his brother Maybe not the wisest of moves, but I don't I don't know. I, I could be 100% wrong, and that's why I'm asking. If somebody can find us some verifiable uh, context to the verbiage of who is and isn't allowed, and if he is technically still, though an ambassador, we know at the very least, representative or tied to the UFC involving this betting issue, it's, I don't know, man. It's, it's a bad look at the very least. I get betting on your family, which you should always cover, but maybe not put it on fucking Twitter 20 minutes after he wins. You know? But Anthony never really was the greatest with discretion, to say the least, either. Um, That being said, uh, we have got confirmation from the spider himself that he is currently in negotiations with an organization that he will not specifically name because they are obviously still in negotiations for his final MMA match to take place in Japan, which is essentially where his career really took off. It's not where it started, but it's where some of his biggest early highlights took place and got him the biggest recognition before he really was quote unquote, the spider Anderson Silva here in the the American side of things it would be fucking spectacular to see him be able to get a match that doesn't look like Floyd Mayweather versus Tension somewhere over in Japan so we can actually see Anderson go out on his terms being Anderson and the place that helped start him I think that would be fucking awesome so fingers crossed no fuckery gets involved and everything lines out and we get to see the spider hang him up where he essentially started his fucking journey. I think that would be cool as shit. Um, that being said here, we got... It's an interesting story, but I would feel remiss if I skipped over this one like a lot of MMA outlets have this week. 
um, a gentleman by the name of, I believe he pronounces it, Manuel Sousa has officially filed a lawsuit in Brazil against the PFL because he was a contracted PFL Challenger Series fighter, got his fight, went to a decision, did not get opted for a contract, got a secondary fight or a follow-up fight on the Challenger Series. While he was waiting for his follow-up fight on the Challenger Series, he got offered a spot on Dana White's Contender Series. Can't do both. Legally was under contract for the PFL for the Challenger Series. Had already competed once, had another fight already lined up on the Challenger Series. PFL would not let him out of his contract to go fight on the Contender Series. Now Mr. Souza is filing a lawsuit saying that PFL was preventing him from pursuing his career by not letting him out of the contract that he signed with them to fight so that he could sign another contract with a direct competitor to fight. I'm not mad at him. I'll, I'll, I'll be that guy. I'm not mad at him. Think of it like this. You're a minimum wage employee. You're currently working fucking at McDonald's. You've got your resume out to multiple Fortune 500 companies. One of them offers you 50 grand. Another one offers you 70 grand. A week after you accept this one, but haven't started the position. Fuck you, guy. I'm going where the money is. It's the same concept. I can't be mad at him. Because technically, their Challenger Series is the same thing as Dana White's Contender Series. You're not under a full-term length contract. If you've already signed a fight there, yes, you need to go complete the fight. But that should not prohibit you from going and finding a fight elsewhere in the meantime. I agree. And I would think that he would have this clearly in the bag had he not signed up for the Challenger Series, already fought for them once, and literally had another fight on the Challenger Series lined up. So he was trying to get out of his upcoming contracted. Oh, he was trying to bail on the fight. Yeah. Okay, that part no. He had already, I, I he misunderstood. Once. See. Yeah, no, no, no. He fought for the Challenger Series once, didn't wow them enough to get a full contract, but didn't soup can enough to get dismissed. They gave him another fight, like Dana White often does with people on the Contender Series. He says, you know, I need to see another one, so we're going to give you another chance, like he did with Bo Fucking Nickel. For no fucking reason. Um, yeah, so that's essentially what the PFL was doing with Mr. Souza. They didn't give him his contract in the first one. They said, let's see you again, and gave him another fight on the Challenger Series. And while he was waiting for that fight to happen, the UFC said, hey, we've got a spot open on a Contender Series. If you can get here, we will give it to you. And PFL was like, no, you're you're under contract and getting ready to fight. So... No, and now he thinks that a lawsuit is going to make him the good guy in this picture. I don't think it's going to do what he thinks it's going to do. And subsequently, I don't think it's going to help him much with the PFL on the other side of that as well. So, And if Brandon Lofney and you know a dozen others are any indication, once that Dana White Contender Series door closes, they generally don't care to open it back up for you again the moment is past you know it, it's time to move on and 
Dana's pretty quick about doing that. So we'll we'll definitely have to keep an eye and see how this one actually shakes loose once it maybe makes it to court, maybe doesn't. Who knows? This is crazy enough that it could go either fucking way, really. Uh, that being said, kind of a, a, I'll call it a thumbs up, thumbs down story here. Um, on one side of things, it is nice to see athletic commissions actually having the slightest bit of actual sense of, mm, I don't want to call it morality or decency. We'll just call it culpability for lack of a better word. Um, it was officially announced Devin Haney has been fined $25,000 for shoving Vasily Lomachenko during their face-off before their boxing match a couple weeks back. That's the thumbs up side of this thing. 25 k for just a shove during a face-off at a weigh-in is a good fucking start to try and set an example so these guys will at least keep their shit together till they get in the fucking ring. The thumbs downside of this is that he was fined $25,000 on a night that he made $4.2 million. So that $25,000 fine is quite literally a fucking drop in the bucket. And he's going to wipe the tears away with $100 bills as he signs the check for that $25K fine. It's nice to see they're actually implementing some sense of you fucked up, now you've got to pay. Now it's up to them to fine-tune the punishment here because clearly a slap on the wrist is not going to inhibit this behavior going forward. Yes, that is a punishment, and that is a good start, and I'm happy for that. But when you find a guy that on that very evening alone made $4.2 million and you think 25,000 is going to discourage him from shoving the next fucking guy that gets in front of him that he wants to look cool. You're a fucking mistaken individual. And I feel bad for you. That being said, uh, speaking of individuals who are mistaken or were mistaken, uh, we got confirmation from David Feldman, the head of BKFC himself this week. Alan Belcher, the heavyweight champion of BKFC, has officially been stripped of his heavyweight belt for signing an allowed boxing agreement to then turn around and come back to bare knuckle again and compete with whoever has the belt when he comes back. They allowed him to take a regular boxing match and then after that match was signed, stripped him of the BKFC belt, but told him once he comes back, he can fight whoever has the belt to try and regain it. Come on, man. Come the fuck on. This is like the polar opposite of Yuri Prohaska vacating the belt because he's hurt instead of holding it for a couple of months and seeing if he can come back in time to not have to be stripped. This is the opposite effect of that. Alan Belcher was allowed to take a fucking boxing match. You let him fucking sign that contract to go put gloves on and take a match. And then stripped him of his fucking bare knuckle belt when he did it, but told him he can come back and fight for it again. That's just stupid, man. That's just stupid. And it makes your organization look bad, in my opinion. And I've talked to several other people who are not nearly as hardcore of a fan as I am. 
they feel the same way. How are you as an organization going to strip your fucking champion when you let him go take an outside of the organization match and then tell him he can come back and fight for it again? Then what's the fucking point of stripping him? David Feldman and his infinite wisdom seemed to think that this was the move, so that's what they fucking did. A little bit fucking ridiculous, I would say, but BKFC going to do what BKFC going to do. Ugh. That being said, that will get us into the not the largest, but very interesting stack of fight announcements that we've got since we saw you wonderful folks last week. First and foremost, at the top of the fight announcement list, so many of us have wondered for so long, and now we have the answer. We know where Kevin Lee fits into all this. July 1st, UFC Vegas 76. He steps in against Renat Fokratinov, that weird motherfucker against Kevin Lee's weird fucking style. It's pretty fucking evenly matched, in my opinion. And if Kevin Lee has actually spent his time away from the UFC, genuinely healing up and training like he said he has, this might be the debut of a whole new Kevin Lee, and we really could see where he does fit into all this. If not, this is going to be the beginning of a very awkward and ugly ride right the fuck back out of the UFC for Kevin. So... We're going to find out a whole lot here in just a short order of time next weekend. That being said, uh, three weeks from now, right after the uh, International Fight Week card, back to the apex for UFC Vegas 77, T-Rex Terrence McKinney stepping back in the damn cage, taking on Nazim Sadyakov, a new debut fighter. I think T-Rex should be good to go, but it's nice to see him excited. If you look at his social media, he's fucking ready to get back in there and try and get back in the fucking win column. So going to be exciting to see him get back after it. Then we got a bit of a strange one, in my opinion here. Um, the fluctuator of fluctuators comes back into the UFC cage August 5th in Nashville at 115 pounds. Jessica Andrade stepping in to take on Tatiana Suarez at 115 pounds. Andrade was just not long ago talking about wanting to make the run at 35 before Amanda had retired. Now would be the best time ever for all of these ladies who want a shot at the belt to stack up to 135 pounds and get your shit in order because essentially all you have to do is put on a better show than Holly Holmes going to against Myra Buena Silva and it's not hard to fucking do. Then get on the microphone and be intelligent and you have a shot at that fucking ladies bantamweight belt. Featherweight's gone. We knew it was going to be. But Bantamweight is the wild, wild west right now for ladies. As long as they keep that division in the UFC, that shit is wide the fuck open right now because almost any top 15 contender could probably blow the fucking doors off Juliana Pena. And she's ostensibly the front runner for that title right now. So 
if you can put on a better performance than Pena did in her second match against Nunez, you got a real good chance of at least getting yourself a decision victory to take home the 135-pound belt on the ladies' side. But Andrade is going down to 115 instead. We've seen that be interesting and disastrous for her, but I'm curious to see how it comes out with Tatiana Suarez as fucking fired up as she has been lately to get back after things. It's going to be interesting to see Andrade coming down to 15 to step up against her. Um, We got a pair of announcements for the Baston 292 card, August 19th. The first one, Rob Font, you knew they were just fucking scratching to get him on that goddamn card. Well, they found a way in the form of Song Yadong. That's going to be a fucking spectacular matchup in Rob Font's home. Excuse me, in Rob Font's backyard at home. Aside from it being a great fight, real good possibility. Rob hangs the gloves up at home, especially if he takes a tough loss to Song Yadong in his own backyard. That could be Rob's last go around. So definitely a fight to watch for multiple reasons here. But the big one, I think the one that everybody got really excited about and then now is subsequently afraid to be excited about Marlon Chito Vera versus Henry Cejudo added to the UFC 292 card. And then almost immediately Henry Cejudo said that he's hurt and he's probably going to have to pull out of it. Not that it was the most exciting fight to begin with, but why the fuck would you sign that contract if you were already hurt to an extent that you might not be able to make the match? Why not just wait, get checked out, and then find out if you can or can't sign the contract? Because at least in my, and I know a lot of other people's opinions, it's way worse of a look to sign a contract, get a fight announced officially, and then pull out of it because of an injury that you had the whole fucking time than to say, I got offered this fight, but I can't take it because I'm hurt. If the offer's still there when I'm healed, it's fucking on. That's the move, in my opinion. That's how you keep your fucking integrity, and you still look like a professional. But, you know, Henry Cejudo going to do what Henry Cejudo going to do. So we'll see how that actually turns out. I hope he gets his shit together and he's not injured and he makes it to fucking Boston and he gets in there with Cheeto because I think Cheeto is going to fuck him up three ways from Sunday and I would love to see that happen. Uh, the cringe master will definitely be getting an ass whooping on the evening if that goes through. So fingers fucking crossed Henry actually makes it to that. A uh, couple weeks after that, September 1st, over on the 1FC side of things, one fight night, 114 We'll see Stamp Fairtex climbing back into the ring, taking on Sohiham for the interim Adam Weight belt. She is going to get gold again in another division. That girl is a fucking monster. She, in my opinion, is genuinely one of the most 
terrifying tiny MMA ladies on this fucking planet. She is just devastating in the amount of damage that she can exhibit in a beautifully technical fashion with fight IQ that is just staggering to all of her fucking opponents. So the fact that she's decided to take on another division and they're giving her the interim shot at the belt or the shot at the interim belt right out of the fucking gate. And you better look out. Stamp Fairtex is legitimately coming for all the fucking belts. And there are very few ladies in the world, let alone in 1FC, who can genuinely stop her, in my opinion. So let that girl dance, man. Let that girl dance. <laughs> uh, let's see. Little over a week after that, September 9th, UFC 293, Sydney, Australia. They're starting to stack it. Kaya Kara France versus Manel Cop has been added to the 293 card. And I am fucking here for it because Starboy has been talking way, 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 way too much shit. And don't blink, I think, is going to hand him a little piece of his ass down home and i'm fucking stoked for it i think that's a great matchup stylistically not to mention letting kkf get the match down home yeah it's gonna work out it's gonna work out i feel we'll see we'll see how we get, how it goes as we get closer but i i like the matchup i like it all you that being said following week Bringing it back to Vegas to the T-Mobile Arena for a rare fight night in the big house. Uh, Loopy Godinez versus Sam Hughes. So they are trying to push Sam Hughes right out the fucking door. They did not give her much of a chance and do not seem to be interested in giving her much of a chance because the couple that they've given her, she has fucking squandered. So this might be the way that the UFC sends her ass right on down the goddamn road and for all intents and purposes, I'm inclined to believe Loopy's going to get it done. So, sorry, Sam. Looks like that's going to be a rough one. Uh, the other fight added to that six excuse me, September 16th. We do this live. Sometimes words are hard. September 16th T-Mobile Arena card in Las Vegas. Fluffy Hernandez himself stepping back in to take on the action man, Chris Curtis. I fucking like it. Chris Curtis has had a bumpy go of things lately, to say the least. And Fluffy Hernandez has genuinely seemed to have gotten his shit together pretty fucking well. If he hurts Curtis real good, that could put him in a big fucking way moving up that ladder. So it's going to be interesting to see how that fucking plays out. Now, we've got a couple of not as fun pieces of news to round things out here, but that's the news, and I try and give you all the news that's important. So first and foremost, despite literally, uh, was it last week? I think it, I think it was. It was either last week or the week before. I can't remember now. Uh, Antonio Bigfoot Silva has officially unretired because he is, and I quote, 100% confident and convinced he did not lose his last match and is demanding a rematch to run it back. 
you know, the 10 matches before that in a row that he lost were legitimate. But this last one, the 11th one, that's the bullshit call. And he knows he won that. So he's coming out of retirement to demand that fight back. Moving on from there, because that's all I'm going to say about that. Um, MMA living legend Hickson Gracie has officially confirmed this week that he has been diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. Probably the single greatest outlook I have ever seen anyone have when given that news, he said, and I quote, this was a gift from God telling me it's time to slow down. For a man as active at his age as he is to see this to be that kind of a message. I hope I have the grace to take bad news with that kind of fucking dignity. Should I ever be in that situation? I'll tell you that fucking much. Hickson is a fucking man of men. So that being said, uh, last one here. There are a lot of times on this show where we give a lot of fighters a lot of shit. We talk a lot of shit about personal lives sometimes because if you put it out there, it's fair game as far as I'm concerned. The same goes both ways. I've had fighters come at me and make personal attacks and I put myself out there so I don't feel any fucking ill will towards them. I put myself out there and I expected it. But there's a difference between going back and forth on social media and the real world. And I personally have given this particular person maybe more than their fair share of shit on social media and gotten it right back from them. But there's never, ever been any kind of ill will attached to it. And I wanted to make that point to preface that because sometimes we talk shit and it's just in a joking fashion, but it doesn't always get taken in context. So I want to be very, very clear that despite having gone back and forth in a very joking manner in the past with this gentleman, we found out this week that Chris Lencioni, Bellator standout submission, underground grappling standout, combat jujitsu, EBI, world-known family, uh, just all-around fairly well-known up-and-coming prospect, suffered cardiac arrest during training and is now officially in the ICU uh, at an undisclosed location, obviously for family privacy, undergoing care, but in very critical condition. Uh, obviously, despite having gone back and forth with this gentleman, I would never under any circumstances wish him any kind of in ill will or malice intent and do not in any kind of fucking way find this situation lighthearted or funny. Obviously, my thoughts and prayers go out to Chris and his wife and their children. Shit talking, shit talking, but this is the real world. And obviously, our thoughts go out to Chris and his family. So hopefully everything turns out okay. And Chris can get back to the support that he so obviously loves very much. If you don't understand that sometimes in the world of MMA between fans and fighters, that sometimes they're shit talking back and forth. Maybe you don't need to be as involved in the MMA world as you are. And you should take a step or two back, Heather. Relax. Don't try and read intentions into, into social media posts that are just made of texts. Hmm? That being said, 
unfortunately, once again, we end our new segment on a low note. We have sadly made it one more week where Dana White has had zero repercussions from openly slapping his wife down in Mexico over New Year's Eve. And once again, no, Dana, having to live with the knowledge that it happened is not adequate punishment for those actions. So unfortunately, it seems we probably are going to finish out the rest of this year having to deal with Dana being a douchebag. So that being said, that's all I've got for the news this week. Do either one of you gentlemen have anything that I might have missed that is interesting in the newscape? No, you covered everything that I was thinking of today. Kind of thought as much. So, that being said, that will bring us to the point where sometimes old heads like myself can get a little bit caught up in how we consume our MMA. We get a little bit set in our ways and we develop blinders to a certain degree and we miss out on some of the new fun up and coming stuff. Some of the new up and coming folks that we should be paying attention to until it's damn near too late. Luckily for us, though, we have ourselves a bona fide young person with their finger right on the pulse of the MMA world to help keep us up to date and current with all the new fun and fuckery in the fight world in a little segment that we like to call Slows, Cans, and Contenders. Is he awake over there to give us a report? Christian! You gonna make it? Sure. I think we're losing him. He's working lots of overtime lately, folks. He's wearing thin. You got some cans of contenders for us this week? I know uh Ultimate Fighter surely wasn't on your uh priority list. Yeah, <clears throat> Did get some down this week. This was the contenders, you know, that I'm looking for this week. We got Trevor Peak, you know, undefeated kid out of Alabama. Serious knockout power. Looking forward to him again this weekend. We got Tatsura Tyra, another undefeated guy. Um, Matush for Becky. Let's see what he's doing. Uh, I'd like to throw Jillian Roberts in the contenders this week. Still a young girl, you know. Get one against Tabitha Ricci and throw her back into that situation. She can climb her way up for a title. The biggest one for me, though, is Ilya Teporia in the main event. He beats Josh Emmett. He's literally stepping his way up as the next in line to challenge Volkanovski after Yair Rodriguez. There's not really a lot of contenders in the featherweight division. So, cans, honestly, I want to say it's a good thing to me, anyways. I don't know about you boys. It'll be fun to hear what you say. I didn't have a ton of cans this week. I don't think it's the greatest card, but I don't think it's the worst. I'm not. It's like that in between. There's some decent names. It's going to be decent fights. It's just like the in between fucking kind of week and card. So, I got um, a kid making his debut, Jose Mariscal, 
throwing him in the cans. You're coming in with a 13-6 and six record. It's been back and forth. You know, he's won his last few fights, but been really back and forth in his career, coming in and making his debut. This is one of those situations the UFC just picking a guy up last minute to get somebody in there. Two Trevor Peaks facing this week. It's going to make Trevor Peak look really good. Just like Zalga Sumagulov. I think Zumagulov is going to look really good against the kid he's going against. Um, got Jamal Amherst in the cans. I think Jamal Amherst is going to be uh, made a fool of going against Jack Jenkins this weekend. And then you'll be two and three in the UFC. Probably going to get cut. Yeah, always been back and forth himself. And then I got a fight that I'm throwing into the can side this week. Uh, Cody Brundage versus Cedricus Dumas. Just check the fight. I, I mean, I like Dumas when he came off the contender series and shit, but then immediately after he comes out, you know, domestic violence situations, all that. Can't root for a guy that wants to beat on women, no different than fucking Dana White. Um, so even if the kid gets the win over Cody Brundage like they think he's going to, you got to throw his ass in the shitter just the same. All right, move on to you guys if you got any kids contenders for the week. Oh, I'm in 100% agreement with you on that fucking throw that whole goddamn fight right in the trash can. I don't like Cody Brundage. I have not since he came into the OC. He's been an absolutely just underwhelming piece of shit. And then <laughs> Anytime you've got a wife beater, they get fucked. I'm still of the mindset, if you beat your wife, your children, anything like that where domestic violence charges occur, or domestic charges don't even have to occur. If I hear about it, boot their ass the fuck out. You should not get paid to fight when you're beating on children and women. Get fucked. You get in a street fight with a dude, whatever. At home, no. Your hands should never be fucking used. I'm going to keep the rest of that to myself because I don't want to say something that may get our this channel removed <laughs> from the internet. So we'll, we'll leave it at that. But yeah, complete cans, both of them. Um, the other one I do, do want to throw in there is I'm right there with you with um, the Jamal Amherst. Um, I think when you've got a creepy Uncle Jack Jenkins over there, because that dude just reminded me of creepy uncle in the best possible fucking way. Uh, yeah, he, he's got a he's got a tough road ahead of him there, Jamal. And unfortunately, you go to the cans for that. Oh, um, one other can that I'm sure not a lot of people are going to agree with because it's going to be my outright can, and I don't care if people agree or not. Neil fucking Magny. He has not been the same fighter for a long fucking time. He's lucky to still have a goddamn number by his name, in his, in my opinion. Don't get me wrong. I did like the Neil Magny of old, but we're not talking about the Neil Magny of old. This is the current version. Unfortunately, I think he's on his way out the door. Phil Bro's got a he's got a test ahead of him. If he passes it, he's right in there in the numbers. So oh. Going on the other side there, um, the contender side of the house. Um, God, I want to fucking punch my own self in the mouth for this. Macy Barber. I want to punch myself in the mouth for this for one reason. 
I love how she absolutely fucking thrashed Julian Pena for the bullshit fuckery that she pulled when the goddamn whole retirement thing happened. And that automatically puts her in contender status for me. I don't give a fuck if she wins or not, but you know what? I will be the first one to say, I still don't like Macy Barber, but I fucking love that she did that. Because that shit needed to be said by more than one person. Throw that bitch under the bus. You can't talk shit about somebody as they're fucking retiring. Amanda Nunes would still fuck her up. That's all I'm saying. But now for an actual contender, I'm going to have to go fucking back down the card a bit here. And I'm looking to fucking uh, one Zumugulov. This. There's something about those Uzbeki fighters that I fucking like a lot. Those guys are some tough sons of bitches. And knowing they got him back on the card after having the bullshit fuckery happen last week. Fuck yeah. Let's go. Run it. Well, that and Zuma Gulov said himself, since he's gotten a new haircut, he's already run two fighters out of the ring and never even had to step in to put the gloves on himself. So... Zuma Gulov with the new haircut might be the new mythical fighter unlocked. There's a good possibility, man. He, I like yeah. him to begin with. Are but... you are you saying there's a possibility of a new power of mullet style coming? I'm just saying Beatles version Zuma Gulov might be the new thing. Because <laughs> okay. if you look at his profile pic now, that boy got Beatlemania. <laughs> Watch out, pictures from Abbey Road are coming. Right? No. Uh, I I absolutely agree with uh, quite a bit of what both of you gentlemen said. Um, that fucking Cody Brundage and Cedric dumbass can just be thrown right out the fucking window. Take them both to the fucking shed and just rip their contracts the fuck apart and get rid of both of them. I don't need either one of them in the organization. Uh, I agree wholeheartedly. Um, I do have a, a, a pretty clear contender and a can this week and i think it'll help balance things out and kind of bring right back to the ship a little bit here so for my contender for this week i would be remiss if i didn't take on our fucking boy here david onama the missouri man back in action to try and get the ship on the right course and get things back the way that we've seen him capable of doing. I think Gabriel Santos doesn't pose a fucking problem to him. I think it's going to be a good fucking matchup. And I think Onama comes in and just kicks ass and takes names. On the other side of that, my can for this week is the one that most people will probably will have agreed with other than uh, Macy fucking Barber. Uh, I love Amanda Hebus, and I know that she is not a world breaker, but talent wise and fight IQ wise, I think that she's <laughs> going to do more than what she's capable of handling this weekend. We'll see. <laughs> oh, I like how both of you were on different sides of Macy Barber. I, I, I made that very clear. I still I like don't like Macy Barber. 
Yeah. I still don't fucking like her. But I like what she said, just like you said. About that that, that automatically gets points in my book, even if I don't but fucking I also like do it. Think she's got a chance to win this week. Yeah, I think that fight's kind of up for a toss up. We'll see who actually. Yeah, snowflakes have a chance of flying in fucking July, too. <laughs> Doesn't mean it's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> but I did like what both of you fucking said. I, I agree with the cans for sure. Uh, it was actually, and then Meter bringing up on Nama. The both of you bringing up Zuma Gulov, too. That's where I said earlier, it was kind of hard to actually pick cans out for this week. There is potential there, even though it seems like it's going to be that mediocre card. There's potential that could surprise us. We like surprises around here. <laughs> We're getting used to them, whether we like them or not. <laughs> yeah. That's it for me this week, though. Appreciate you guys. Good shit. Thanks, sir. So, that'll bring us to the point in the podcast where most podcasts of this duration would be rolling a mid-roll credit and showing you some fucking, most likely, Raid Shadow Legends bullshit fucking B-rolled nonsense. That game fucking sucks anyway. Fuck them. This podcast don't play that fucking game. This podcast is only sponsored by patreon.com slash I'm no Joe. The fans are what sponsored this podcast. For as little as $1 a month, you get your name as a thank you on the end of every single broadcast on this channel, as well as access to unaired and literally unairable content. Things that we have to legally hide behind a paywall and cannot publish to public fun stuff that being said helps us do what we do around here and the cat decided she wanted to come in that being said uh this is the point where the only segment in the show requires its own individual disclaimer so papology.com does not in any way shape or form support endorse or sponsor the i'm no joe podcast yet that being said tapology.com does offer you the option to come to their site make a free account and make picks on fights like we do here on the show they also offer the option to create groups of like-minded individuals to make picks we made one of those it's called i'm no bookie all one word or group 965 however you need to search it it is open to the public you are more than welcome to come over to tapology make yourself an account up real quick Hop on over, join our group. We'll approve you, get you right in, and then put your picks head-to-head against us and all the other folks in the group. And a little thing that we go over, we call it Tapology with TJ. All right. We're going to jump right into the fucking craziness. That was last week because, well, we'll just put it this way. With the way that the fight card worked out last week, the scores were going fucking crazy. It, it was weird. It was fun. And to be quite honest, I was quite surprised with a lot of the way things played out with the whole Vittori Cannon near card as a whole. It looked like so was quite everyone else on our um, picks. But on the plus side, we did not have a complete amount of fuckery. Everybody was well above the 500 mark um, this week. So we're good on that aspect. So starting from the top. A little war on the home front for first place. 
Don sneakily edges out Donna by a measly 50 points to take home the fucking trophy this week. Donna's washing dishes, apparently. Oh, up. As we go down the card there, you got fucking Vin Dog the Booty Hog coming in in that third spot. Looking good there with the 505. Me, I snuck in down into the fourth spot, but this is where it gets fucking weird. I was not in the fourth spot until the last fight of the night. The Cannoneer Vittori main event. Had some other people picked Cannoneer, like I had stated last week's show, I would have been tripping over my dick and running it over with a lawnmower. But that shit didn't happen. Vittori got worked like a cheap whore on the fucking Las Vegas Strip. It was bad. He was beat the fuck up. So that gets me my wonderful uh, fourth place there and keeps me from tripping over my dick. Um, just want to say the Italian stallion riding homie Christian over there was all sorts of wrong. So you didn't get a chance to make me trip over my dick. However, you didn't quite trip over your dick either because you barely edged out meter by just fucking 25 points. Had meter picked cannoneer like I told everybody to do last week. Shit might have been different. So now we know who gets that uh, trip over your dick award coming in with the last minute fucking heroics over here now if you want to get in on this get some shit talked about you get some praise when you're fucking doing well come on join the fucking group it's a good time on shoot for the record i tripped over my dick getting seven of 12 correct with three semi-perfects like I said, I'm not mad at that. I'm not mad at that. <laughs> like I said, from the onset, we all did well. Everybody was over the 500 mark and looked fucking excellent doing it. Now, if you want to get in, like I said, get some shit talked about you when you suck. Get praised when you do well. Come over and join the fucking group. I'm no bookie group 965 on Tapology. You're more than welcome. Let us know who you are. Can't talk shit about you if I don't know who the fuck you are, because there's plenty of people in our group. That we have no earthly idea who the fuck they are. But I only keep track of the ones I do know because those are the ones that fucking matter. So come join us. It's free to make an account. It's free to join the group. It doesn't cost a fucking dime. It costs a little bit of your time picking some fights. That's it. Do it once a week. Sometimes you get a week off. Unless you're picking every other card that they possibly have available on there, which that could keep you busy for hours on end, because there are tons of cards to choose from, even if you're picking on some local events, because they're there. Now, that being said, we're going to move on to this week's um, odds. And as per the fucking usual, with, as it came up earlier, all the fuckery in the betting world, we are back to 50-50s, fucking up and down the goddamn card. On the plus side of this, um, there's only one fight on here that has fairly wide odds. And I say fairly wide odds because they're really not all that wide. They're getting pretty close to being wide, but they're not. And that is actually the main event of this weekend's card and Ilya Tapuria and Josh Emmett. Where they have the Josh Emmett 
higher ranked, coming as a plus 275 underdog. Anilia Tapuria coming in as the lower ranked fighter at a minus 350 favorite. So there's something to be said about that. Josh Emmett definitely has a fucking puncher's chance in that fight. So he's not a bad pick because he does have knockout power. So just remember that. Oh, um, one other one I did want to bring up there because um, the odds are kind of close to about that wide. Um, and that would be the Wellington Thurman and Randy Brown fight. Got Wellington Thurman coming at a plus 200 underdog to nobody's surprise on Randy Brown as a minus 250 underdog or favorite, excuse me. Um, but everything else, basically coin flips across the board. Um, you do have Trevor Peak and Victor Martinez. Peak coming in as a minus 275 and Victor Martinez is a plus 220 underdog. But other than that, everything's coin flips. Hundreds. 150s either way, nothing exciting in the fight world. This is one of those ones where you make a crazy fucking parlay bet that probably will not work out, but that might be your best bet on making any fucking big money is making stupid parlays. Chances are they don't work out, but hey, you know, it's there for you. So just, just look at it this way. Again, either the UFC is doing a great job of lining up fights or the betting world is fucking afraid still. Yeah, I'm, I'm taking column B on that one, but you know, we, we, we've been wrong before. We'll see. We'll see. That being said, this weekend, although it is international, international fight week, hangover week, hangover, there is an interesting smattering a punchy kicky to be had over the course of the weekend. First and foremost, for all of you full-on sun-worshipping lizards, first thing at the ass crack of dawn at 7.30 a.m. Central Standard tomorrow morning, just a few fucking hours from now, one Friday night, because it's on the other side of the world, Fights 22 takes place with... Arjun Buller in his newly signed contract, renewing him as the one heavyweight world champion, puts that belt immediately on the line this evening, this morning, tomorrow evening, wherever the hell you're at watching this listening, against Anatoly Malikin, one of probably his toughest challenges to date. There is a smattering of great combat sports, Muay Thai and MMA across that card. Aside from that, but there is a heavyweight title fight at the peak of that card, if it is something that's going to get you up and watching it. That being said, for the rest of us normal folk that try and consume our MMA when the sun goes down for the most part, tomorrow evening, kicking off at 5 p.m. Central Standard, is PFL 6, their, I believe, final regular season event with the 55ers and the welterweights, the uh, 70s and the 55s. Uh, OAM, the Canadian gangster himself, in the main event against Anthony Romero. Uh, Shane Burgos taking on, excuse me, Yamato Nishikawa. Great fucking fight unto itself, I agree. Um, Magomed Magomedov against David Zawada. Great fucking matchup. 
there's a whole bunch of interesting fights. Clay Collard versus Stevie Ray. A lot of these guys are either getting their last chance to get enough points to get into the PFL playoffs or are already completely out and are trying to keep someone else from getting the points they need to make it into the playoffs. So a lot of these fights, even if they aren't the biggest names, are going to be 100% highly fucking contested matches. So the PFL card tomorrow night, I'm telling you, is going to be fairly interesting for what it is. That being said, Saturday, first thing in the goddamn morning, because it is a UFC fight night on ABC, the prelims kick off at 9.30 a.m. Central Standard. 10.30 a.m. Oh, I thought it was 10.30 Eastern. Okay. 10.30 Central. That's not Still, good. early enough for you. <laughs> yeah, it's not good, but it's better. <laughs> Which sucks, because I'll be working when that starts. Right. Yeah, 10, 10.30 Central. Okay, I thought that said 10.30 Eastern. So 10.30 Central, still stupid fucking early for combat sports to be fucking taking place. Uh, main card they're saying is going to kick off at 2 p.m. We'll see how close they actually get to that. I bet it's even earlier. ABC is going to try and just fucking steamroll run them through. We'll see. Um, but, gentlemen, with this hangover of a hangover card uh first and foremost i think we all know what fight is already getting more hype than it should be and shouldn't even be on the goddamn card so we're just gonna overstep those cunt bags opening the fucking event up and hope that something happens to both of them that being said uh is there a fight that you gentlemen feel is not getting the hype that it deserves one because this is a card that isn't the most well-known names but like christian said earlier this is not a card full of cans either as well so i feel that there's inevitably going to be a couple here that are kind of sliding under the radar i know i've got one but i'm curious if you gentlemen have a fight that's kind of being overlooked by the masses if you will i'll run with this one and this is going to be highly debatable by a lot of people and i'm okay with that I'm down with the walrus slap fight in Austin Lane and Justin Taffa. Because look, Taffa is hit or miss like a motherfucker. But when he does hit, you know it because the fight ends very quickly. Austin Lane is starting to fall into that same fucking category of he's hit or miss. So um, I think we could see some fireworks, but we could also potentially see a great walrus slap fight. But then again, only fucking heavyweight fight on the card. So, you know, I got to throw a little love at the heavyweights because it seems lately we don't get very many fucking heavyweight fights. And I really wish they would fucking move that division along a little better. For me, I'm going to go with the Brendan Allen Bruno Silva fight. Feel like that hasn't been talked about for shit. I know he was originally supposed to fight Jack Manson. That was going to be a main event. This fight isn't the co-main event, anything like that. Nobody's been talking about it. I think Brendan Allen's going to run through Silva. 
And that's impressive as fuck because Silva's got 20 finishes all by knockout and TKO. So, I mean, he's going against a serious fucking striker here. And Allen's got the ability to stand up and strike himself, but he's also got the fucking ground game. And he's looked really good in his past few fights. It's not the fight that he was going to get, but it's still an exciting one for me. I feel like it hasn't been talked about enough. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. That one's 100% flying under the fucking radar of the vast majority of folks that are talking about the fights this weekend for damn sure. Um, I'm going to go with a little bit different one here. Uh, we, we touched on it a little bit earlier. Jillian Robertson versus Tabitha Ricci. How Tabitha Ricci has a number next to her fucking name and Jillian Robertson doesn't at this point boggles my fucking mind and if you just look at the social media of the two of them alone Tabitha Ricci is out doing CrossFit games and fucking around and Jillian Robertson is working on her fucking jujitsu working on her striking she's in the fucking gym every goddamn day doing something trying to get better She's not somebody to be taken lightly on her fucking bad days, but now she's coming in here with a chick who's literally just ignoring her and doing CrossFit games instead of actually training. Man, I, I would definitely be screaming Wu-Tang at Tabitha Ricci because you better protect your neck this weekend, sweetheart. So with that being said, I'm going to put you boys, specifically you motherfucker on the spot here. It's not the co-main that I think any of us fucking wanted. And I don't think it's the best fight even on this card to be in the co-main event spot, but it is technically our co-main event this weekend. Amanda Hibas versus Macy Barber. I'm curious how you gentlemen think this one actually shakes out. I feel like, you know, if we were going to have that segment of the overhyped shit, this is that overhyped fight. It's in the overhyped spot. I'd be fine if it was on the card, even the main, you know, side of the thing. But having this as the main event is just a questionable thing for me. And it's really just, yeah, I don't think Amanda Hebos has that much talent. You know, I don't. I wouldn't put either one of these girls as contenders, Hebos or Barbara. They're just young. I guess they could have some potential, but if, from what I've seen, they're not the best of fighters. I don't think this is going to be an interesting fight. One of them is going to win. It's going to move one of them up. But in all honesty, I don't think either one of them is all that exciting. Like uh, I was saying earlier, Golf T was mentioning Macy Barber. He just liked what she said. I do feel like she's got a chance to win just because, like I said, both of them to me are kind of mediocre. One of them's going to, as uh, Golf T says every week in his tapology segment, trip over their lady dick. So we'll see which one of them it is. This is I think Barber's going to wind up getting it. It's going to be a boring-ass decision. It's going to be a fight where she just tries to hug man and Rebus. So it's going to be boring. It's going to be a shit coming event. That's just how I see it going on.
Uh, this is probably going to be the most boring fight on the card. I'll, I'll call it that right off the get-go. To be honest, I don't think either one of them are worth their fucking weight. I don't think either one of them have a, a spot with having a number after their name. But yet, here we fucking are. Again, I'll say it again. I do not like Macy Barber. However, I do love what the fuck she said about fucking paint. Because you know what? Fuck that bitch talking shit while Nunes is laying her gloves down. She can rot in the fiery depths of hell for all I care. That doesn't mean I'm rooting for Macy Barber. I'm also not rooting for Amanda Hevis. What I'm kind of hoping for this fight is that some shit fucking happens and it gets pulled and we get a different co-main event. Because to be honest, this ain't it. If you want to bore people to sleep, have them walking out of the arena before the main event, this is a good way to do it. To be honest, this is a toss-up. Both of these girls are nothing more than fucking decision machines. Neither one of them gets finishes. And to be honest, Macy Barber's only on a streak because of the, the people she's fought since she got fucked up, since she fucked up her knee and They've kind of slowly let her build back up, which is fine. She's fucking young. She's 25 years old. She has a lot of life left to give for the fight game. Hebus, she's been hot and cold. She's either on fire or she fucking gets her ass whipped. There's no middle ground for her. So to be honest, I can't call a winner on this. Yeah, I want to say Hebus is going to win because I don't like Macy Barber. But I also want Macy Barber to win after the shit that she fucking said to fucking about Pena. But I still fucking hate Macy Barber. There's something about that girl that fucking rubs me wrong. And I never thought I would ever say that there's a girl that could rub me wrong. But she's the fucking one. So first and foremost, uh, I would like to say officially that I blame Aaron Hansen for this. Uh, I, the best way i can describe this fight is it's the gooning of the ufc card this weekend if you don't understand that term google it after the show is over after the show is over from your work computer i encourage not your home computer um but this fight is edging us so goddamn hard for the main event i think the main event's going to be fucking spectacular but we'll talk about that in a minute i think this is going to be a fight that is completely made up of oh my god no oh my god oh 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 just over and over and over because this is a matchup of amanda hebas with fairly decent jujitsu average striking mediocre defense and then macy barber with decent wrestling average striking mediocre defense We've seen in cases strong wrestling will negate good jujitsu, but we don't really have strong wrestling or good jujitsu. We have wrestling and we have jujitsu and both these girls are spunky. And I think there's going to be a lot of attempts at really interesting shit, but I don't think either one of them are actually going to be able to pull anything off. I don't think it's going to be a lot of almost could have, would have, should have, and oh, it was that closes. Until we get to a very, very, very long 15-minute decision. And then 
inevitably end up giving it to Amanda Hebus because she's just going to be better looking in the match than Macy is because Macy has a tendency to lay still when she can't get her game going. So I think based on optics, Hebus is probably going to take this to the 15-minute boring decision. But I agree with both of you. I, I don't know for the life of me how the fuck we ended up with this as our cone main event, especially with, like Christian mentioned earlier, we've still got Brandon Allen on this fucking card. Hermanson got bumped off. He's got a different opponent. But how we went from that as the main event to him just opening the card and these two sliding into the fucking co-main slot does not make sense to me. Maybe we'll see Saturday night and we're all wrong and they're going to fucking blow it out of the water and get us all excited. I highly fucking doubt that. So that being said, the name on the marquee, the faces on the poster for this weekend's main event, Ilya Taporia and Josh Emmett. This, I feel, is one of the better fight night main event matchups we have gotten maybe since we were in Kansas City with the UFC. This is in my opinion, what a fight night main event is supposed to be. So I'm curious, how do you gentlemen think this top-notch fucking main event runs out for us Saturday evening? Oh, this one's going to be fucking wild. I'll call it clean out. It's going to be fucking crazy and wild. Uh, Both of these boys can fucking knock each other out. I don't think that we're going to see a boring fight here. And it's probably going to be the fastest paced fight on the entire fucking card. And knowing the way Josh Emmett comes in, he's got a gas tank and he will swing for the fences for days. So I don't foresee either one of them getting tired. Taporia, he's got a, he's got a double fucking take here. He's got KO power. We've seen it. He's also got a submission game. But I don't see this staying on the ground. These two are going to scramble. It's going to be on the feet. Somebody's going to go to sleep. Which one? I'm not sure. Both of them have that one-hitter-quitter power in them. And in the featherweight division, that's kind of fucking rare. So it's going to be fun to watch to see where it goes. But all I can say is fireworks. Thank God. After having something that can actually rub you wrong, you finally get something worth your fucking while in the main event. If there's anything that, if you don't want to miss anything on the card, don't miss this fucking fight. The rest of them, sure, might fly by night. There might be something cool. But this one, this is the hot fucking ticket for this weekend. Um, It's the only one, to be honest, really worth paying attention to. Thank God, um, I mean, there is a plus side to this starting so early. You're going to have time to go to the bar afterwards because this will be done by five o'clock at night. You'll have time to go have dinner with your family. It won't fucking cut into that. You can go have a six course meal at your local Italian joint or fucking something like that. Let her rip. Hang out for this one. You don't have to watch the other shit if it's too early for you. There's replays on ESPN Plus. That's what that's for. But don't miss this one live. This is going to be the one that's worth it. I absolutely agree. I'm excited about some of the young up-and-comers on this fucking card, but this is the absolute fight 
to pay the fuck attention to. I'm excited as hell for it. I mean, Josh Emmett didn't stop swinging for the fences even against Yair Rodriguez. Because Yair was putting it on him. It was too much for him. All the fucking body kicks, all of Yair's weapons. And he was eventually able to get the submission. I think it's going to kind of wind up the same for Emmett. Because Tapuria has the whole game. He has that submission side, but also has the knockout power. Um, and he's undefeated. He's the young up-and-comer in his own right. I think this kid is the next contender. I think he's the next one in line after Yair challenged Volkanovski. So whether it's five-round war or Tapuria gets a finish, I feel like he edges this one out. It's going to be really tough for Emmett. He's got to get that knockout, and he's damn sure got the ability to do so. He's got that power. He always has the gas tank, puts the fucking pace on. He's going to go out on his shield. So that's that's how I think it's going to go. It's like we're going to get a war. We're going to get that final fucking exciting main event here to start kicking us off in the summer the right fucking way. But I think Josh Emmett's going out on his shield this weekend. Spartan style, baby. Yeah, I I am inclined to agree with you, gentlemen. Uh, the the strange thing about this matchup is that this is one of those rare occurrences at featherweight, where both of these guys legitimately have the ability and have proven it that if they connect with that one right shot, they can shut the fucking lights off for anybody. The big difference, in my opinion, for this weekend here is going to be the road miles. Josh Emmett, for as strong as he is, has been at this for a long fucking time and has actually mentioned that he has contemplated retirement several times in the last year or two. That's a big factor coming into a main event fight like this. And then you look across the cage from him and to quote a goofy fucking Brit hand sanitizer boy he's nothing to be played with. Ilya Taporia is as dangerous as any fucking featherweight in the UFC. In my opinion, he is absolutely well-rounded. He's got great fight IQ. He's got submission. He's got striking. He's got grappling. He's a full legitimate well-rounded threat. I like Josh Emmett. I really do. But you can almost feel the desperation at this point. He knows as well as everyone else who's watching, unless he can do something spectacular, this is probably the last big fight he's going to get in his career. And even then, if he comes out and blasts Ilya Taporia, knocks him the fuck out in 37 seconds, even then, that's going to get him a next big fight. That's not putting him on the path to the belt at 45 pounds as heavy and as fucking stacked as the featherweight division is right now. Best case scenario for Josh. He comes out, does immediate work, lights Ilya up, lays him the fuck out in no time flat, gets a bonus and a big next fight, and then stays semi-relevant for another six, eight months. And then next summer, we're probably not talking about him anymore. If, you know, if not being on a prelim at that point. But the other side of that is that Taporia is essentially being held back by Josh Emmett at this point, because 
we know for a fact several of the top 10, if not top five guys, have been offered Ilya Taporia fights and have all openly turned them down. They don't want that fucking smoke for good reason. This is one of those next generation of dudes who grew up doing everything they've evolved past the one trick pony they come out of the fucking womb doing submissions and throwing elbows with feints to get their fucking mom back before the diapers wrapped on like these kids come out doing every goddamn thing and taporia has just been polishing off those fucking rough edges his whole career and i think this might be that point where he gets to do what josh emmett needs to do i think emmett's going to come out too desperate knowing how much he needs something and it's going to leave taporia all the openings that he needs to just put him down i think christian's got it 100 right i think we get a spartan send-off this weekend i think taporia is going out on his fucking shield staring at the rafters man i think Ilya puts him down we'll see been wrong before, as indicated by my topology record. Will be wrong again, as will show by my topology record. But that's what we've got for this one. That's how I think this one ends out. So that is all we've got for this particular episode. So if you like what we get up to around here, if you like what we just went through, please make sure you are either tuned in Thursday nights, 9.30 p.m.-ish Central Standard to YouTube.com slash I'm No Joe to catch this in our live video format Thursday evenings or the following week and any time after that over on Anchor.fm slash I'm No Joe. The all audio format goes out to all podcast consumption platforms. Pick and choose where you get it, however you want it, it's there. Make sure you are subscribed and your notifications are turned on, please, so you do not miss an episode. On the other side of that proverbial coin, though, if you didn't like what you just sat through, first and foremost, why the fuck are you still this deep into a podcast you didn't enjoy? Give us a thumbs down and then go fuck yourself. We won't even dispute it. But that being said, when the show's over, that's not the end of things. Because tomorrow morning and pretty much every Friday morning, over on Spreaker.com slash Slow Bake and Contemplate, that bitch right there and his contemplating booty hog of a partner get after their own podcast first thing tomorrow morning so you can go pick up their fun time show. All the links for those gentlemen and their show are all down here in the description as well as the link to their very own channel on the I'm No Joe Discord server. Hop in there, say hi to them. Appreciate you, brother. The fun never fucking stops, you know. Once we get back on into the next week, best day of the week, hump day, Wednesday, you got to check out Golf Tee fucking Vapes, you know, the foggy fairway on his YouTube channel. YouTube channel, Golf Tee Vapes, the show, foggy fairway. Tune in, learn some fucking mixes, some recipes. If you get into vapes yourself, just chill, have a good fucking time. Show the brothers some fucking love every Wednesday around 9 p.m. Thank you, my brother. Uh, now, um, if you weren't aware, outside of the Kiki Punchies that we talk over here, the meter does more than one thing. In fact, the meter does do many things. So you go click below 
linktree slash the meter does many things, it will take you to all the many things that the meter does do. Again, that's linktree slash the meter does many things to find out all of the many things that the meter does do. I'll click on it. You can thank me later. I'll thank you now. Thank you for that, sir. That being said, though, that is all we've got for this particular episode. So please, if you enjoyed what we get up to, share an episode with a friend. Get ready for next weekend because we've got some interesting things in store and some possibly big news events that are supposed to be either confirmed or denied officially this weekend. We'll see. They'll be fun to talk about next week for damn sure. But that's all we've got for this particular episode. Ed, keep your head up. We're all pulling for you, buddy. That's all we've got for this particular episode. So until next time, boys and girls, don't let ignorance stop you. You can root for anything. Unless you think cocaine is cheap. Ask Connor. How do I say goodbye to what we have? The good times that made us laugh.